it was like 5.20 or so in the evening. I was about to go back to the gym to train my evening clients. And I got a phone call from my dermatologist. He called me directly, not the office. And, and I just remember his exact words. It said, I'm sorry, honey, it's melanoma. It's malignant. And I, I didn't hear basically anything else that he right. said except for referring me to a surgeon and call me anytime or something like that. I'm Megan Armstrong. Welcome to Life Six Feet Above. Six Feet Above was created when I started to share my story of spending 16 years wanting to be six feet under to now living a life full and happy six feet above. The more that I started to talk about my journey, my struggles and my past, the more I realized people were genuinely interested and not judgmental at all, which is what I'd feared for so long. In fact, other people wanted to talk about their story as well, and for some reason they trusted me to do so. So the Six Feet Above podcast is my way of helping to share other people's stories, finding out what works for them to create a life of happiness. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know it has some explicit language and some very serious subject matter. It may be triggering or sensitive to certain people. Please listen with discretion. This is Kate's story. Welcome back to episode 33, Kate's lucky number or threes thereof. I'm sitting across from my friend, Kate Lipton, who I've actually known for years. And I have been making a list for the past two years since I started this podcast about people that reach out that are supportive and that also provide not only feedback, but ideas, because I'm always looking for people in different capacities that have a story or that, um, you know, work with a different group of people that I'm not familiar with. So I'm so excited to have you on today because this is kind of a brand new topic for me. So welcome. Thank you. How nervous are you? Um, like a six right now okay, out okay, of that's 10. Not bad. So not bad. It's coming down. Six out of 10. Perfect. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, so Kate and I, like I said, we go, gosh, I feel like we've known each other six, for like five, six no, years. No, longer. Flywheel. Your first oh, yeah. round of flywheel oh, days. <laughs> I love how everyone in this town knows that I've been at flywheel twice. Rest in But peace. you're like, I have like four favorite spin instructors. Aww. Sorry, indoor cycling, indoor cycling. Stru- right, instructors. Right, right, right. And you're definitely Aww. one of them. So Thank yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, have, I have definitely made my rounds in this town. <laughs> it's a small town. It's a small town. We get around. Well, thank you so much for uh, reaching out a supporting me for the past several years, but not only fitness wise, but also through the podcast. I know that you have your own journey and you also, um, work for camp twin lakes, which is a very, very cool. Is it technically a charity, mm-hmm. right? It's a nonprofit. Okay. It's yeah, a nonprofit. It's That's what I thought. So really excited to hear your story, but before we kind of get into all of that, where are you from? Born and raised. Give us a little background just about Kate. Oh boy. Just um, about you. <laughs> I'm from Grand Junction, Colorado, Western Slope. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only about 30 miles from the Utah border. Okay. So it's all the way west in Colorado. It's about 250 miles from Denver and Salt Lake equidistant. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So where do you fly into? Um, e- either Denver either or Salt one. Lake, depending on what airline. Which cheaper. <laughs> right. Exactly. Either what airline. Um, usually Salt Lake, just because yeah. of Delta. But 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, my dad and my stepmom still live there. Okay. I moved to Atlanta when I turned 14 and my brother went off to college. Okay. But yeah, my whole childhood or half my childhood, I guess most of my childhood was in Grand Junction. Wow. I didn't know that. I guess I just assumed you were from here. Yeah. So you graduated from what high school in Atlanta? North Springs. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then you went to college? Florida State. Florida State. Yep. FSU. Yep. Yeah. I think um, you guys... Well, I'm from Syracuse, mm -hmm. so you've kicked our asses several times in football. Um, I mean, I was there in the heydays when we went right. to the national championship yeah. several times, but, you know, after that, it's kind of downhill. Right, right. <laughs> what was your major at school? My major is, is like this long litany of words. is uh, recreation and leisure services with an emphasis in therapeutic recreation. So to shortcut it, I'm a wow. recreation therapist. But it's pretty cool that I think so many people, not so many people that I interview, but so many people in general, they have this degree and then it's like they're doing the complete opposite with it. But you're kind of using your degree. Yeah, you really absolutely. are using I your degree. I absolutely am. Yeah, 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 yeah I absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. am. Yeah. So I kind of, you, you have more, like your story lies in, you know, some people we talk more about their childhood and about growing up and that's kind of shaped the way that they are, the way that they deal with their mental health. And I'm sure there's some of that for you, but I think your story lies in more of like your adult life um, and, and what you did for a job and now what you do for Camp Twin Lakes. So I kind of want to fast forward, unless there's anything about like growing up in any sort of mental health things that you do want to share kind of off the bat moving forward i mean i think you know your your background and what you talk about a lot is movement you mm. know and how it helps and being outside right and, you know that kind of thing so just growing up in western colorado yeah. I, would, I did every sport i did gymnastics right. skiing dance soccer you know moved to it. atlanta did volleyball i mean it was just kind of but that was activity what, that was what i needed multiple activities then that helped my structure that helped my learning and that helped that focus and right. energy because I'm not a book smart kind of person. Mm. I can't just sit and read and absorb. I dealt with learning disabilities throughout really? school. Yeah. And I think that's why I gravitated towards more movement because I learned by doing, right. I learned by experience and, um, hands-on type yeah. activities and you know all that so so that kind of you know pushed me in all those directions and in college I had never heard of recreation therapy and I was kind of lost in what major I should do and I uh, used the disabilities resource center as it was called then it's called something way different now I'm much sure. more politically I'm correct sure, right and no and this uh, counselor that I was seeing to help with different study skills we were just talking about what I like to do and she's like, you know what? You'd be a great rec therapist. And you're like, what I, the heck is that? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> and so I looked it up. I talked to my parents about it. Yeah. And it was like, yes, 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 yes. I like all that stuff. And it basically, the short kind of description of it is in a, a hospital setting, what we yeah. call, you know, a clinical setting, okay. is helping people 
use it practically. So if people are going through a physical rehabilitation from, you know, uh, some surgery like back surgery or knee surgery or something that they need to stay in the hospital for several days or weeks or even right. months, right. then it's adapting that type of activity, recreation. It can be obviously sports or more passive stuff like crafts or sure. nature watching or bird watching or, I mean, shooting. I, you name whatever activity yeah. that you enjoy and there's an adaptation to it especially if it's obviously physical so well, this was kind of that's kind of that translation into yeah, into it using it to me because I think when we think of a surgery or you know like for me when I broke my two fingers I was in occupational therapy for 12 weeks I mean it, it was a whole nother story but we don't think about, you know, we think about getting people back to functioning. We don't think about getting people back to enjoying what they originally did enjoy before the accident or before the injury or whatever. We just think physical therapy and occupational therapy. So when you were originally telling me about what you went to school for, I was like, oh, I had no clue that that was like a thing. Yeah. So if like on a large scale and like a more public scale, if you think about the Paralympics, yeah, then that's recreation therapy introduced challenged athletes to the adaptation and how to carry that through. And then there are coaches and some of those sure. coaches came from a recreation therapy background or physical back or physical therapy, therapy back or something yeah. like that, or even exercise science. But, um, but the adaptation in, in all kind of Paralympic, that kind of arena yeah. or like, um, ad- adapted sports, right. that's, that's, that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah. That is kind of the easiest way to describe how recreation therapy works so it can be anything from just going on an airplane and traveling to a different state or a different country when you're in a wheelchair you know and how to navigate all those challenges or um in my setting in a community setting versus a clinical setting is we bring people to camp and we make everything very intentional so it is a therapeutic setting it's not just kids and families going to camp and going to activity to activity. Yeah. It's the way the schedule is laid out. It's the way the meals are laid out. It's the way um, different games are utilized and the way programs are utilized. And so, yeah, um, yeah so it's just, so let's, it's really let's cool. jump into that. Let's sure. jump into Camp Twin Lakes and we'll, we'll kind of go back to your college days and, and that sort of thing. But there is this charity that is local to Atlanta Mm-hmm. called and- Camp Twin Lakes. So just tell us what that is, and then we'll talk about your part in it and and the amazing things that this charity does. It's incredible. It really I is. I didn't know a lot about it until I first met you and then talking to you just recently learning even more about it. So I'm excited for our listeners to hear about this. And the crazy thing is, so I, just as we were talking before we started recording, yeah. I... Um, I just moved to Atlanta in high school and then um, and then went off to college and I had never heard of Camp Twin Lakes, but Camp Twin Lakes actually, I moved in 92 and Camp Twin Lakes opened, the first campsite opened in 1993. Okay. And um, we have an Atlanta office and that's where our, like our, our, um, admin staff headquarters, and headquarters yeah. kind of kind of our administration sure. staff and our development staff and you know, where our board members meet that kind of stuff is at the atlanta office okay. and then we currently have two campsites and about to build the third so camp twin lakes was originally started like i said in 1993 to serve 
kids with long-term illnesses, mm -hmm. physical disabilities, mm -hmm. and life challenges. Yeah. And so the easiest thing that I can tell people to think about on what that means is people see the term in like the name Camp Sunshine. Right. And that serve that's a camp for right. kids that either are still dealing with childhood cancer or have overcome it. Mm -hmm. But Camp Twin Lakes hosts Camp Sunshine. Got so it. Camp Twin Lakes is the place and the staff, like the program staff, the, the people location. that are the life okay. lifeguards, the yeah. the ropes course, you know, the maintenance and facilities people all that do the upkeep yeah. of camp and it's a year round uh, campsite, but Camp Sunshine brings their expertise mm. and their medical staff and their campers to Camp Twin, Camp Lakes. Twin Lakes. Where is it? The, our original site is in Rutledge, Georgia. Is that north of East. here? East of here. It's kind of okay. like from Buckhead or Sandy Springs. Sure. It's just a little southeast. So it's okay. I-20 east towards Lake Oconee. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then who started it? How did it, do you know how it started? I do, um, <laughs> and I'm. I think it's Larry Melnick, I believe, that started it. Was it somebody inspired? Did he have a, a kid that was? I don't believe so, and I'll have to look that yeah. story. But I don't believe so. I think this person, um, and like I said, I believe is Mary Larry Melnick, and then the okay. the second um, director is uh, Doug Hertz, and he really got it off going. And there's literally only been like four, maybe five. <coughs> Excuse me. Executive directors in the organization in the almost thirty years that I was it's been say going. Almost thirty years. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and I think that that he was looking to start something. This is I'm just going to guess here. Yeah. But this was filling a need in the community, and so the whole premise of the populations that Camp Twin Lakes right. serves right. is filling a need. There's no competition. There's no taking away from. There's no, you know, over arching or yeah. overlapping so we have actually dissolved camp programs that have either decided to go elsewhere and grow theirs and you know and supported them in right. that or not started camp programs because somebody else was already doing it very well and so there wasn't a need in the community for camp twin lakes to to support that what's the like age group i mean how young to how old it really depends uh, for summer camps then each camp partner like camp sunshine's the partner each camp kind of sets their own parameters okay and family weekends which we do throughout the entire year otherwise it's a full-time year-round functioning yeah. camp then our family programs are all ages so families bring kids that you know i've had kids at, at our family programs that are six weeks old oh wow yeah yeah up as to a, grown as, adult children you have day camps and you'll do overnights as well or is it mostly yes. just day camps? Um, so it's all overnight camps. Okay. There are day programs. Yeah, Got there it. are. Gonna, and and the day programs are usually just one day. Okay. And okay. Does that make sense? So yes. like, yeah. um, I think, I actually think Camp Sunshine does like a day, a team okay. day or something where they just come for the day and they have a schedule. Blaze Sports mm. did a whole day with military families, veteran families yeah. that came for just the day. Um, but our, we have family weekends. Usually the family programs are weekends. So they're come fr Thursday or Friday and leave on Got Sunday it. or Monday. Got it. Yeah. And then the kids camps throughout the summer start in June and go until like the beginning of August, basically. And they start Sunday and in Friday and a new group comes in Sunday and leaves Friday. So they have a Got day it. to turn day camp to turn over. over. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what's your role in this charity and this? My role is 
currently is I gave myself a title because <laughs> I didn't like the term wounded warrior anymore. Mm-hmm. It just be kind of came outdated, kind of became outdated. So uh, I call myself warrior family and kids program coordinator. Okay. So it encompasses the whole veteran military family as warriors. So Got it's it. the warrior family and kids program. So I, uh, I run military family weekends. So military families that are either currently still serving mm-hmm. or have gotten out and they're veterans. And, um, and I do about four of those a year throughout the year. And then one week of kids camp in the summer. And we partner with an organization called Camp Corral. Okay. And Camp Corral specifies as eight to 16 is this summer, eight to 16 years old, military children who have a parent who is wounded, injured, mm-hmm. ill, or fallen. Wow. And so the difference between wounded and injured, yeah. right, is wounded was basically injured in combat, okay. on deployment, and injured can be any injury. Okay. Any injury like during post, service or pre, not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay. On base or whatever. Got yeah, it. it could be Got anything it. So that. wounded means they were active mm-hmm. when they were injured. Mm-hmm. And so that usually leads to something like a traumatic brain injury wow. or even like, you know, a physical injury. They got shot or have post-traumatic stress or, you know, something like that. So It's like a... Um, I think this is one, and I don't know enough about this, so I'm not going to like pretend that I do, but I think this is a subject that is not talked about hardly at all in this country, um, is the military, veterans, what they go through, what their kids go through. I mean, think about, and, and again, going back to kind of everything I say in these podcasts, like the way that we are as adults, for the most part, is because of what we went through as children. And these kids are going to grow up with, you know, parents that are struggling or they're wounded or they're injured or they have lost their, you know, parents' lives. Like, I can't even fathom that. And the way that our country treats these people, it's like, you know, they do a service and and it's kind of like they're forgotten almost. And they're not given the... They're not given what they should be, I don't think, and in the fact that we don't talk about it enough. Because I would imagine as a little kid, if my parent were going through this or struggling or wounded or had passed, like they probably don't have much of a support group. They probably don't have a friend who's going through the same thing. So this gives them the chance to come together in a physical setting for a weekend or whatever, and you're kind of coordinating all of this, right, for these military kids and their and their parents and siblings. Absolutely, yeah. So, what kind of how often does this happen throughout the year for the the military kids? So it's a one week camp, just one week for okay. them, but they can come any as many times as they want to the family weekends, and we have them four times a year. Okay, yeah, okay. it's usually like two in the spring and two in the fall. And do people submit and apply for this, mm-hmm. or how do they yeah. find out about you? You know, <laughs> I want to first. Of all, I'll answer that, yeah, and then I want to go back to what you please, were saying. Please, please. So yeah, we have an application, and they have have to qualify and basically their qualification is that they served in the military um and we do prioritize depending on what their service and when their service took place um so we i mean we have it through our camp 
website. Okay. You know, they can, they find out about, I network a lot with. I was going to say like, yeah, it's a word of mouth or. It's, it's basically all word of mouth and Atlanta, we're very lucky in Atlanta because there's literally about 550,000 veterans wow. in, in and around the Atlanta area. And that encompasses all the surrounding counties, Gwinnett, DeKalb, right. you know, all that right. Cherokee, all that. So, um, so there's a lot of veteran service organizations mm. in and around Atlanta okay. a lot luckily and we're all very active with each other and referring to each other we have a big veterans hospital the VA mm-hmm. center yep. and that is sometimes to a fault that mm-hmm. it's big it's just kind of you know it, people get lost, lost in, the in the shuffle, shuffle. Yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. so in the veteran community there's a lot that's already well known and so whether it's the VA hospital there's a counseling center mm-hmm. that is part of the VA but a separate building and doesn't answer to the VA it okay. sounds strange but it's a counseling center it's okay. called the vet center VET just vet centers and they're all around the country but they're all around Atlanta and Georgia and so any veteran For the adults or kids too Yes. Sorry, the answer is yes. You okay. No, no, please. And so the veteran can go. Yeah. They can do marriage counseling or couples counseling. They can do family counseling, all that. So the vet center, all that is all included yeah. in their service. It's all free with their service. Okay. Okay. But like I said, like the VA is kind of a big monster. And so if somebody is just right. seeking support to walk into this, like it's like walking into Emory, but like mm. twice the size of Emory, you mm. know, it's like, okay. And then you have to find mental health right? when you're already struggling and already feel shame, Yeah. you know, all that. Yeah. So, um, so going back to your other question is how, how do they find some of these things is like I said, we network a lot. The, the, the VSOs, the veteran service yes, organizations yeah. all network a lot. So anytime, that the dates come out for our family weekends and the applications live, I email that out immediately. And a lot of times I don't even have to, like the families that have been coming just know to look for it and we get pretty full very quickly. Yeah. And then going kind of back to what you were saying about, we don't talk about it enough. And, and I, and the answer is you're absolutely right. And, and like, this is why I'm so drawn to you and your podcast and you know, your mission in, being a mental health advocate and getting out there and normalizing it is that that's now happening Mm -hmm. more so than ever, but it's happening more in the veteran community than widespread. Okay. So in the veteran community is talked about a lot. In fact, the suicide numbers, which there's some could be possible discrepancies or arguments about what the number is per day, but it's around 22 a day veterans take their own lives. Yeah. Every single day. And it probably has gone up since the pandemic. Right. And percentage wise, women veterans take their own lives more. Really? Yes. So that's opposite of the general population. So, and I, I, using these terms is so awkward i'm just gonna say that because they call it successful and unsuccessful and i hate that term it's terrible it's a terrible it's term. terrible yeah. but let's just say women attempt it men attempt it men actually go through are more su- it, yeah yeah right? you're right I I, just, exactly i almost I, said I don't it like to say yeah. they're more successful that's right because i almost said it out of uh, routine success right right that's exactly the term that's used yeah. like we need to come up we need to come up with a I better know. term yeah. but you're saying now in the veteran community, the women are the ones that actually go through with it more than men? 
Right. Well, there. I think the the number was around like fifty six attempts a day and wow. twenty. We'll say carry out. Actually, How's yeah, that? Yeah, That's yeah. a little better. Yeah, carry yeah. out. You know. Yeah. And I don't know what the percentage. This it's just the percentage of because there's a lot lower percentage of women that are in the military sure. than men, but percentage wise. Yeah. Sure. Um, and, and it's just, it's just, I mean, I get chills thinking about, I, know, you know, get nauseous. It's yeah. just awful. It's awful. And what, what we just don't talk about enough. And luckily it is talked about much more in the veteran community sure. and is much more widespread, right, just right. like military sexual trauma is now yeah, being talked yeah. about much more in, in the military community as sexual assault is being talked about more in the civilian yeah. side and the civilian population. So, you know, as we fight against the mm. previous norms mm-hmm. and push through that, you've said this before, things that are common shouldn't necessarily be normal. Right. And so right. how can we combat that? And so I, I'm, I know I'm like extremely tangential in life in general, but <laughs> in this topic, so... Um, so being able to provide an outlet, right. you know, at what we do at Camp Twin Lakes and right. what some of the other organizations are doing that that provide support for people's mental health and their family's mental right. health and well-being that doesn't necessarily have to be. And I believe fully in counseling and we have people that can recommend who to go to, right. where to go, all that while they're at camp as well. But that yeah. it's outside, outside of an office and yeah. just, you know, talking because... You and I both know as personal yeah. trainers and being in that space, we clients joke with us and but in all seriousness, we can be other people's therapists. We're our clients oh, therapists, right? And so when like the cheapest therapist ever. Right. I know. Maybe we need to <laughs> rethink about our pay structure. But <laughs> but being out and about yeah. and being active and you as you move your body more, your body starts right. to release trauma because trauma is stored in the body. Yeah. And so as we move our bodies, as we move in nature and release that and become more relaxed and, and less guarded and right. open and we feel okay to be vulnerable, then this is where yeah, things can happen. Wow. Yeah, people can talk. Well, and it's, it's one thing to talk internally, I would imagine. And again, not, I've never been to an AA meeting, but I, I can say this from someone who's struggled with severe depression, it's like you feel comfortable when you're talking to other people that are in that space. Exactly. But when we get out in public and we don't know who's dealt with the same thing we have, it's very difficult to talk about. So we have these kids who feel very comfortable within this space at Camp Twin Lakes during that, you know, the the weekend that you host and but then they go back to school and they're surrounded 99% of the kids around them are civilians. They're not right. having to deal with this. So then they go back to feeling as an outsider or, or whatever it is. So I'm just, and the families too, the right. adults feel that way too. Adults, right. Yeah. Right, right. And you're, you're saying, and I, and I think that you don't even realize what you're saying is exactly true in several different ways. Number one, that yes, only 1% of the population serves. So the fact that oh, there, is it 1% there are literally, yeah, I know. Right. But we, cause we're like, let's yeah. just exaggerate. Yeah. No, it is literally wow. 99% that don't. Wow. And that's okay. Right. You know, I mean, I have my own personal beliefs on sure. service. I sure. didn't serve. Uh, how I choose to serve is right. working in nonprofit and volunteering and giving back. And that's yeah. where my heart is. Yeah. So I, you know, I feel comfortable with that and that's yeah. fine. Anyways, but, you know, so there are several different things in what you just said is exactly right. And it's the entire military family mm-hmm. that once they leave the military, 
then that's where all that is really tough. Yeah. Even tougher for the kids, both if they're in regular school with right. civilian kids and they're it, like, if they're on base, then there's a lot of kids that may be going to that same right. school. Right. So right. then they do know other people. They feel but, like they fit in. But once they get out, yeah. then, then you're right. They, they don't know. So when they come to camp, mm. there is a way that they can keep in touch with each other. They can right. form their own communities. Right. And so some of this um, possible causes of suicide is not necessarily combat trauma and post-traumatic stress and of that what, what we have thought it might be. Mm-hmm. And, and I hate to say it this way, but what kind of media or perception of what a veteran looks like right. and why, right. a lot of it happens because of transition and loss of purpose mm. and loss of self. Yeah. Just like anybody else. I 1000% t- I relate to that. In fact, I've had conversations about this when it comes to athleticism mm-hmm. and athletes and like, ooh, like, especially, you know, guys that are going through the NFL or NBA, like we look at them like these got, like I think about right. this from college, right. went to Syracuse and the basketball time, the basketball team at that time, they were gods you know they could do whatever they wanted they right. got whatever they wanted yeah our football team too at right? Florida State is terrible anyways but yeah it's like, I know <laughs> so none gross. of them went to the NBA except for Carmelo right like, that's it yeah so what's their purpose after that and, it, and it, it, I am definitely not comparing somebody that plays a sport in college to somebody that serves our military other than it's the same it can affect you the same emotionally losing that sense of purpose with anything I could imagine it it's the same, same idea with a mom that might lose a child, right? We're just comparing the emotional effect and not what they went through um, because we're not comparing traumas. We're just comparing – we're not even comparing. Right. We're relating emotions. Exactly. Because a human emotion is the same no matter what caused it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and yeah. you said the exact same thing that we've been talking about, and there's actually an organization out there that works with retired mm. or injured former NFL or pro right. athletes right. and they come with veterans and they're, they talk that sense of purpose is oh, lost, really? that sense of self, that sense of community, yeah. that yeah. tribal community yeah. that they were ingrained in for so long that that's lost. And, right. you know, that, so I think that, that the, the biggest point is that we tend to say, and I include myself in this statement, we tend to say that, um, you know, because I didn't serve, right. blah, 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 right. you know. But we all have our own trauma. We all sure. have our own experiences that really affected us mm-hmm. in a possible negative way. Obviously, at the end, it may not be negative, but it, it, we felt it was negative right. at the time, you know, whether it was, you know, an illness that we dealt with, whether it was a loss of somebody in our family, whether it was, you know, sexual trauma, emotional trauma, you know, whatever it was, you can't compare traumas because it's really how it Mm -hmm. affects each individual person and what they do with, with that. And so it's how we support each person going through it. And once they continue to move forward, like you say, we say, you don't get over things, you get through Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And we continue to get through them because they shape us. Because if we got over them, it wouldn't affect how we do other things and how we live our lives and how we think. And it absolutely, and it always does, you know, both both positive and otherwise. Right. And the otherwise bigger. Right. Totally. But I think that the big point is here is like, yes, we just 
kind of get through it. You never get over it. But also, you're never going to get through it until you're willing and able to understand it. That's exactly right. Why is this happening? Where is this stemming from? And how do I use it? Yes. From what I've learned previously, and especially our service members, they learned so much with all their training. They received an immense amount of training on how to support each other, Mm. on how to stay alive, on how to keep somebody else alive, on how to lead and move forward. And move forward. In such a physical demanding space as well as emotional. A lot of times it is physical demanding. It depends on what their role is. But Right. right, yeah, exactly. And so... If they're, you know, if, if someone is not kind of a, even if they are a lifetime, you know, military member and say they, they serve for 30 years or whatnot, um, and God forbid if, if they pass before right, then, but right. if they transition out for whatever reason, a lot of times it's a medical reason why they're transitioning out mm-hmm. prior to that. It's maybe four, eight, 10, 15, whatever years, then a lot of times that is not a choice that they would have wanted to make, mm-hmm. you know, just like the loss of a big career that has moved you and your family over and over again. You know, whether they went overseas in combat or not, it doesn't matter. Right. Because a a large percentage, actually most of the military population has not served in combat. Got it. We see all this stuff in media. That's what we think. That's what we think. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But I mean, they may have deployed to peace places. They may have been mobilized, which means that, they didn't get deployed, but maybe they were just in another city for 30 days or six months. So they really didn't get to see their family. So there's a lot of still similar effects with all right. this with those military families, whether there was a deployment or not. Right. You know right. what I mean? So, but with that transition out of the military, mm. then it's not just the service member that's lost their sense, but then also the if family. there is a spouse right. and especially, you know, the kids right. that they've lost that community, yeah. because like you said, nobody has a sign or a uniform right. for the military's <laughs> sake that says that you have mental health challenges, right. mental health struggles, or a mental illness. And once they are out of their uniform, how do you see other veterans? Right, right. Yeah. And how do civilians see veterans? That's right. So so two big questions for you, um, and these are more like discussion questions, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they're going to take a while. <laughs> a, why the military for you? Why was this a draw for you? And B... Let's answer that one first. The second one is going into what you see at Camp Twin Lakes, good and bad. Why the military? Talk about you first. (laughs) I think this is kind of of a quick one. FSU, Mm -hmm. and then you've got the rehab. I can't remember what the name of your degree was. (laughs) But that inspired you. You worked in hospitals. You worked in nursing practice, Uh, all uh of that. Yeah. We'll kind of skim through that. Yeah. How did you really get into the the military side of this? So just like any kind of other um, clinical field, like physical or occupational, you know, any of that, we have to do an internship. We have to do some field work and stuff like that in order to graduate. So after I finished school and courses at Florida State, then we pick an internship. And luckily, because... Tallahassee is such a small community. Right. They really didn't have any recreation therapists to study under there. So I could look anywhere in the country. Got it. And I, of course, chose San Diego. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. Southern California, yeah. the beach. Yeah, you lived absolutely. in LA. I, I mean, it's I like totally hear the best place yeah. ever. And uh, I had cousins live there, so I'd visited. Okay. And they and I had a friend that graduated the semester before me that had done this internship at the Veterans Hospital in okay. spinal cord injury. Got it. So people that have been had some sort of... Um, 
spinal cord trauma, which basically means it, the, the short version of it is having paralysis in the mm-hmm. spinal cord. But the long version of it is that just because you have a spinal cord injury doesn't mean you're in a wheelchair. Right. So there's paraplegic, there's quadriplegic, right? So paraplegic right. is somebody that is affected, their, their lower limbs are affected by their spinal cord being injured. Mm-hmm. And that can mean total loss yeah. of functioning. It can mean partial loss of functioning. So they could still be walking and they can be a paraplegic. Really? But maybe they have loss of sensation and mobility in different areas okay Okay. you know because nerves are really funny right right? they're all over the body and there's no prediction i mean you could have the exact same injury two people next to each other and they could present and have different functioning so and quadriplegic is four limbs being impaired but again the same thing they could be walking and moving that looks totally normal but there's impairment maybe some pain or sensation lost or maybe they can't Right. Touch one finger to their thumb or, yeah, yeah, or some muscle loss here and there. So that's, that's kind of the long and the short of spinal cord injury. Um, And a lot of times if it's like a car accident or um, a falling accident or something like that, and they become spinal cord injured, then it can also go with a brain injury. They may have hit, you know, hit their head and had um, a concussion. And so whether it's a mild concussion or, or even, worse than right. that's a brain injury that's okay. a traumatic brain injury there's okay. trauma to the brain so so i worked in my internship at the va in spinal cord injury and just loved it and it's of course the most ideal setting and we did right. adapted skiing and adapt, you know wheelchair rugby and wheelchair basketball and like all kinds of really fun that's stuff so cool yeah and that i probably at that point could have pictured myself living my life doing that, yeah. you know, of course, but it's yeah. an internship. So it lasted five months uh-huh. and then being new in the field, there's like two jobs that are open, behavioral health and nursing homes. Uh, <laughs> oh and so of course, like at that point I was like, Oh, I want to work with veterans and right. then, you know, in, in physical rehabilitation. And then there's not any of those available ever. Okay. So just like, you know, government jobs are very right. few and far between. Right. So I worked in long-term care that's called skilled nursing facilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I Since did you're that. you're still in San Diego. I'm still in San Diego. So I did that and people know, known those people as activity directors. Okay. I was an activity okay. director. It feels very demeaning. So Fancy, right? <laughs> it's like, wow. Nope. Yep. It just, I, I, I just took a test. I didn't, you wow. know, whatever. I just took a course, but, right. um, but I loved it. I spent about three and a half years after doing that stuff. I also kind of did a side job in a clinic and, a, a it was an inpatient clinic, but I just worked there like two or three times a week okay. um, with young women with eating disorders. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was really, really cool. I just absolutely love that job. And that's where I kind of dipped my toes into psych and behavioral yeah. health and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I'm hooked. Yeah. Because I find psychology and just the why people do what right. they do and, wh- you know, just the history is really, really because then you see people in a whole different way. Yeah. Then as you've seen this time and time again, as you see their stories unfold, mm-hmm. then you see them for period. They really period. Are. You yeah. see them, right? Yeah. And then they can be seen. Right. So that was really, really eye-opening in a lot of ways because a lot of times, and you probably know this, that eating disorders can be triggered from somebody calling mm-hmm. you overweight when you're yeah. a teenager or yeah. childhood sexual trauma. Right. 
you know, not, not, or, and, you and, know, it could yeah. be a myriad of things, yeah. but the, that just really opened my eyes to understanding more and more about that disease process. Yeah. And on that side, a friend growing up who was severely bulimic and yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so did that. Um, and I was missing home. My yeah. mom's here and my stepdad and, yeah. you know, a lot of friends from high school mm-hmm. and stuff. And even friends from college moved here. And the West Coast is great, but I, I, I think you're going the same place I am. Like, you just – it's not that you miss the East Coast. You just miss being closer to home. Like, and even money. Even though it's a – yeah, <laughs> and money. But it's a, it's no a money. long flight. It just feels oh, yeah. far. At five hours. Yeah. 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 It is. It, it's a big to do. Yep. And living paycheck to paycheck, you kind of yeah. you kind of say to yourself, "Okay, I can do this for yeah. now." It's great in your twenties, I think. And then when there are people who you make friend, you know, you, you become your kind of right. friends and all that there, but then they don't have desire to grow right. in in any kind of way. They're like, "Well, I like this life right. and this sure. like this quarter life crisis, yeah. you know, frozen <laughs> yeah. in time." And yeah. I just I was starting to feel Ready like to I go. wanted more. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't think I was going to find a mate out there, like, you know, so I just, right. I was, and I was ready to be back by family yeah. more yeah. than anything. So I moved back to Atlanta in 2006 and, um, and then took about six months mm-hmm. and found a full-time job, but was doing a lot of odd jobs here right. and there and, uh, and worked for, um, a hospital that was doing a community transition program for patients leaving the hospital so I was helping people get acclimated into their homes and continue their recreation and community goals okay so if they were working Mm -hmm. on adapted swimming or swimming in their community then Mm -hmm. I would go to them and work with them in like their YMCA pool or their home pool or their their home gym right I had already gotten certified as a personal trainer at that point so I kind of had that as a backup sure and um, I did that for a couple of years. And part of the end, when I was there at the end, then we started working with veterans. And so I was helping that transition mm. with veterans. And it just like, had you always... and the why is this the spark? Right. You know, when people right. work with different populations, you know, especially like if it's like a physical therapy occupational, you know, you have in your mind that you want to work in a certain setting mm. and you want to work in a specific population. Like PTs will talk about, I want to work in orthopedics, right. like only right. orthopedic, you know, and in school, I wanted to work inpatient physical rehab, right? Like whatever that meant That's in my head. Thought. That's right. what I thought. Yeah. You know, I didn't know. I think I was twenty. And then once I started working with veterans, I was like, oh, it just like lit a fire. Really? Yeah. And so, like, just random, right? The one in San Diego that was at the Veterans yeah. Hospital. That was a random internship. It wasn't like you yeah. specifically. It was because it was in San Diego. Right. I knew somebody that did it, and right. it was gorgeous. Like, yeah, yeah, and it just happened to be veterans. And happy veterans. So yeah, kind when of. When you yeah. left. San Diego, when you left that, you know, did you always have a, like, did you always kind of know you would get back to veterans somehow? I had always had it in my head. I wanted to. put it out in the universe. Yeah. Like the universe delivered years later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Every time you say this, I'm like, yes, that's happened. Yes, that's that's happened. Yeah. You kind of, you know, it's going to happen. You don't know when or how, Mm -hmm. but it just gets back to that. So you're kind of at the end of this this stint at the this local hospital and how did the veteran thing come up again sorry remind me just fell in my lap really yeah Yeah, they when they started working with them they needed a community support person and I was more available and so I said you know raise my hand I was like please and and they had known it because um I don't even remember how it kind of came up. I think as it came up, I had just said, like, I've worked with veterans before and I really, really like it. And, yeah. you know, I be, and a lot, and a lot of people are afraid, you know, mm. just, and 
whether you're a PT or a rec therapist, OT, you know, like, and, and just any civilian population, yeah. you know, you have that fear of like the picture in your head of right. what a certain population or demographic is like. Mm-hmm. And people had kind of a fear of working with veterans because I think what was in the media right. or something like that of this anger and this post-traumatic stress right. and, you know, like this erraticism yeah. and, you know, whatever yeah. it was. Or just not and, knowing. Like and I unknown. was just like, you know, I know I can cuss on your podcast, yes, but I was course. like, I fucking <laughs> love it because A, you can cuss at work. Right. And it's like, it's, I wouldn't say encouraged, but it's the norm because it's part of the military culture. Yeah. And so when you don't cuss and you act offended, they just get fed on that. And they're like, oh, I'm just kidding. Especially oh, wow. male veterans. They're yeah. like, oh, I just want to see that, that mom face. Like that's my mom's face. Right. When I say the F word, she's like, oh, <laughs> like you really have to, isn't there another word you can, you know, <laughs> but it's like, you know, so that was, yeah. I could identify yeah. just like the fun loving personalities of the banter it's and of the ragging straight, on each other right? like just fucking yes it reminds very me much North. so yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you know me. very much so yeah. very much like cutthroat yeah. let's let's yeah. rag on each other and you know if you get a group of veterans together that are from all different walks of life from different branches from right. different service types they'll just rag on each other you know that's the first thing that they'll do yeah and that's just the community and that's just awesome yeah, you know that's their and so, love language right yeah and yeah. i'm such a direct speaker yeah that i didn't fit in in some of these other mm. settings very well and i always felt like an outsider and so got it when i kind of found this you're like oh this is it yeah that's where i was like oh i could got really it. get excited and yeah. flourish and yeah very yeah. cool so then how did Camp Twin Lakes come about. So, so you're working with the veterans now, helping the rehab process, right? And, yeah, and so I was also still working with civilians at that time. Okay. Yeah, because it was still more civilians Got and there was a few veterans. So um, we partnered with Camp Twin Lakes for an adapted program for like a getaway weekend in the mountains in Young Harris, Georgia in this brass, and it's called Brass Town Valley Resort. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful, right up there. And so they wanted to show people that they could be accessible with their horseback riding and, you know, some of the other activities they have there. So we did a partner program with Camp Twin Lakes. Camp Twin Twin Lakes wrote the grant and then we brought brought the people Got and it. so we ran it. And so I, we did that a couple of times and I became really friendly with the woman who, um, who was heading that up on the Camp Twin Lake side. And so when I decided that it just wasn't for me anymore in the right, hospital setting right. and I had had my personal training, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put, you know, some emails out there to say that I'm leaving to some yeah. of these people that I really connected to and, um, and say my goodbyes kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and then start personal training and see yeah. where it leads me. Right. And I just was kind of ready for a change. And um, she emailed me back like a month later, if that, and, you know, was kind of wishing me luck and would love to keep in touch. And just, oh, by the way, if you know of anybody or if you're interested, mm-hmm. I need a person to run a kid's camp for kids with spina bifida and uh, a week-long overnight camp for the same population for older kids and, you know, let me know. Right. And so that's how, for the first two summers I worked with Camp, Twin, camp Twin Lakes, that's how it happened. I worked wow. with kids with spina bifida and, you know, did the all adapted stuff at right. camp. And right. it's just like, it just lit my world up. Like that's, that was like. How long ago was that? That was in 2009. Oh, wow. So you've been with them for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like. 
I think we've talked about this, yeah. like everything is, you know, personal training, I worked my butt off to try to get that off the ground and get clients and keep clients and, you know, yeah. and then, you know, I mean, same thing in the training world is, yeah. you know, you stop working out, you stop working at a gym because it's toxic right. or whatever, and you move right. to different places and, you know, how can we keep making this work? And yeah. everything since then has you know, I've just kind of unfolded. kept positive, kept, you know, good relationships and kept yeah. talking and it's kind of fallen when it's supposed to fall. And, and kept yeah. asking, mm-hmm. like, you're don't. I'm here. And yeah. I just kind of say, I'm here. Like, people say to me, like, you know, if I lose a client here and there for whatever reason, they'll say, well, how are you going to work hard to get another one? And I'll say, well, it'll come. It'll, yeah. And they get kind My of, parents don't understand. Right, right. They get pissed off. They're like, you can't just say the universe is going to provide. Well, Guess well, what? It will. Yeah. It has so far. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've been uh, certified since 2007. Yeah. So it it's happened well. every... Yeah. So yeah, is yeah. that kind of your full-time thing now is the personal training, but also, yeah. I mean, is the Camp Twin Lakes, is that a... Is it a paid position? Yes. Oh, okay. It is a paid position. Okay. It's a part-time, I consider it kind okay. of a part-time job. Got it. Um, yeah, and it, I always, I came on, it's funny, I came on as uh, a consultant in 2009 to help work with that sp- specific camp. It's now, now called Camp Crazy Legs. Okay. Each camp has a, a fun name, name or, or a specific name, yeah. and it's, most of the camps are named by the kids. Got it. So they're really fun. There's yeah. Camp Crazy Legs. There's Camp Twitch and Shout for kids <laughs> with Tourette's, Aww, right? There's so uh, Camp Kudzu is for kids yeah. with type 1 diabetes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you name it, and we have a camp for it. That's There's so cool. Camp Trach Me Away for kids Trach- with tracheostomies. Yeah. And so we can manage that at camp. You know, there's just all these different things. So wow, it's pretty neat. Um, wow. But yeah, our website wow. has, there's like 65 different ones. So, so on there. obviously when they come <clears throat> to camp, you know, they're, they're on a high, right? Mm. Do you see, I'm sure you do, but do you see any of the emotional breakdown? Like, does it yes. all, do, because I, yes. sometimes when things are so good, it reminds us of how bad things are at the same exactly. time, if that makes sense. Especially leading to the end of the program yeah, a lot of times is what, do I, what am I going back so to? So what, what, like if you, did you, I don't know if you talked to anybody before you kind of came here, but is there Mm -hmm. anything that they would want us civilians to know that they either A, struggle with, or B, just want people to be aware of? I mean, the military is as diverse as everybody else. Yeah. You know, so any media portrayal, Mm -hmm. commercial, you know, talk is... Take, take it kind of with a grain just right. because, you know, there's there's nonprofits out there and they all do really good work, the ones that I've encountered sure. and the ones in and around Atlanta and, and a lot of the nationwide ones. And their marketing yeah. is specifically for fundraising. Got it. So, again, like it's a small... Goal. Right, mm. exactly. A small portion of veterans have been deployed and have right. gotten injured right. in war, you know, in that way with traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress. Um, a very small portion were involved or felt the way that the ones who were involved in January 6th, you know, the Capitol, right, the Capitol yeah. yeah, stuff. So, you know, that was January 6th. I feel like that was like a month ago <laughs> or like, like 15 years ago. Yeah. One or the other. One or the other. You yeah. just said that. I'm like, wait, that was four months ago. I know. Cow, I know. Yeah. So it, it's just yeah. understanding that Before, just like yeah. anybody else that has 
a mental health mm. challenge or a broken foot right. or blonde hair. Right. You know, it's, it's not insane. everybody that has these issues or experiences when they've gone through. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend that I met in college and he's still in the Marines and he's never been deployed. His family has moved countless times mm -hmm. and that's their challenge right but he has never been deployed to combat and i think he's a lieutenant colonel now in the marines and mm -hmm. he's done a, he's worked with a lot of injured marines and people coming back from combat stuff like that yeah. but you know so yeah. just understanding that perspective so um understanding that when if you're a business and you're looking to hire people and hiring veterans there is most likely no one better than a veteran to hire because of how much leadership training sure. that person has gone through or been under and discipline you know? and, and time discipline management yeah and all yeah. of the things yeah right exactly and yeah. understanding that if they have been deployed it does not mean that they dealt with trauma right. or that if they did deal with trauma that they are that picture of a veteran that right is lost limbs mm. or hiding in a corner or, yeah. you know, yeah, that's true. having never, erratic outbursts or things like that. I thought you know? about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do yeah. have this, this stigma, you yeah. know, this portrayal that's kind of ingrained in our minds. It is, unfortunately. Media. It is. Yeah. And this is the longest war. It's, you know, supposed to be wrapping up right. in, you know, September sure, yeah, and yeah. it's, you know, 20 years. And we started doing these family weekends in 2010 specifically to serve post 9-11 combat injured veterans with their families so and that so, was the mission <clears throat> originally okay. yeah and okay. now we've um the last probably in 2014 is where we just opened it up to all female veterans mm. because again serving underserved sure. populations sure. was a big thing and so you know female veterans have a very unique experience yeah. a within their own experiences Just, yeah yeah and be um a lot of people that i've heard and this is again only the ones that have told me their story that being in such a male-dominated mm -hmm. industry so to speak that they may have been the only or one of two females in their unit and so they had to really act like their male counterparts right. but they still didn't fit in and right. so they they had to be more masculine but still a little feminine, but were still resented right. a lot of times. And they couldn't connect to their female counterpart because there was a little bit of competition there. Mm. And they couldn't connect to their male counterparts because then that may be construed as inappropriate. And so right. the ones that came out very, very fine positive, line. very fine line. I mean, it's like, you know, in the professional world yeah. in general, but in, yeah. for women as well, you have to be attractive enough to catch right. attention right. and not too attractive to be distracted, right. you know? Right. So totally. I say that when I go to these conferences and stuff, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, kind it's gotten a, a lot better, sword. but yeah, yeah, it definitely is a double-edged sword. And a lot of these women that have come to camp are single mothers. Mm. So they're expected so much more of their service and then at home Being and sometimes the counterpart you know the the father of mm -hmm. the children is um <clears throat> is a veteran sometimes they're not but right. you know they're held to a higher standard right. and right. um you know i mean with ruth bader ginsburg i think a lot right. of we, we learned a lot about some of this but the the equality and she, and she was the reason that there is more There's equality more, yeah. in the military 
like they used to kick pregnant service women out Jeez. because they're pregnant, you know, just like, or not provide them any care right. in their health care. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. But so we're still, you know, working towards inching, inching towards yeah equality in yeah. that way. And so these women, I mean, they are wow. just what they have endured and encountered, whether it was trauma right. to a to a, uh, a common sense or right. like combat trauma because even though they say women weren't in tr- in um in service in mm-hmm. combat guess what bullshit you know one of one of the first like couple years i met a marine photographer a woman marine photographer and what do you think she she's saw in the middle of it all what do you think she right? saw right? you know she's taking these pictures Ugh. um and she wouldn't pick up a camera after she got out of service oh, man. i mean that's ingrained in in her brain you know um there's women that are doctors and nurses mm-hmm. you know these army mm-hmm. nurses these army medics well, what do you think they were doing right you know right you know you're not an army because nurse or an army on medic the line like well they were right but like out in the literal battlefield they're not but they were but they're right there yeah yeah but they were considered or eod techs with dogs what's eod um, explosive, oh, yeah, explosive yeah, yeah. device, okay. you know, detecting yeah. explosive detection. Um, so the dog trainers, these canine trainers yeah. and detection. And so, um, there was a, a movie about yeah. a female, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I Megan. I didn't see that. Yeah. Though. I heard about um, it. it's, so you it's have good, all but... of these different types of people. So yeah. Kids, yeah. adults, everyone's yeah. coming yeah. to this. And just understanding each person's experience is individual. Sure. Number one, number two, that family is what is really, really going through it. The right. entire family. The, the family. entire family serves. Yeah. The entire family um, is affected when one person goes away because then they form their own family unit without that other adult there if it's a, a two-parent household. <clears throat> and then that parent coming in, how did that parent fit back in? Right. You know, I mean, so just anything and everything wow. that that might go. Yeah. I mean, one of my... This could be like a whole, like, this could, I'm sure there are podcasts there are, just about yeah. the military, right? There are, yeah. So let's talk about your, obviously you have this like deep desire to, to serve and you have your own, um, health journey yourself. So in the midst of you over the past 11, is how long has it been? 11 years? Mm-hmm. You know, your helping other people on this planet, on this world, Mm -hmm. either rehab or Camp Twin Lakes. But you went through a very serious diagnosis that we can talk about. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. Absolutely. You had cancer Mm -hmm. and you just celebrated 11 years. Mm -hmm. Cancer Cancer free. free. Mm -hmm. So what kind of cancer did you have? I had melanoma. Mm -hmm. I had skin cancer on my my leg. Like what? Like I don't know. I, I think it was genetic. Florida, genetic yeah. yeah, I think it was genetic. It was a mole that I had my entire life mm. on the back of my calf. And I had gotten it checked out multiple yeah. times. And at one point, the, the dermatologist said, you know, it just doesn't look good. I'm going to yeah. take it and biopsy it. And I just didn't think anything right. of it because it just didn't ever look right. great. Right, right. You know, but, it, you know, with insurance, you know us. With, <laughs> With our, you know, crappy insurance that we have to deal with, that it's like, if it's cosmetic, nope. Right. You know, then I have to pay so much, you know, whatever. It's fine. It's not bothering me. Right. And, uh, and I had uh, something else taken off, like a little, you know, those blood vessels that come to the surface that just kind of look weird. And so when I got in the mail, the results, I saw negative and I just didn't think much of it. And then a day later or a couple days later, uh, it was like five 
20 or so in the evening. I was about to go back to the gym to train my evening clients. And I got a phone call from my dermatologist. He called me directly, not the mm. office. And and I just remember his exact words. It said, I'm sorry, honey, it's melanoma. It's malignant. Ugh. And I, I didn't hear basically anything else that right. he said except for referring me to a surgeon and call me anytime or something like that. And So what do they do? Uh, so it depends on the margins mm-hmm. of what of what they found. And mine was 1.98 millimeters. Okay. Okay. And so if it's around 2 millimeters in depth, then they do what's called a wide excision. Okay. And that basically is clearing all the tissue in that vicinity, from what I understand. Sure. And so I basically... It was a inch scar they from take taking the mole. They take five inches. Oh my god! Yeah, they took five inches to the muscle, not into the right, muscle. Right, 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 right. Um, but my boots still don't fully fit. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. And they clear all the tissue and they biopsy it, uh, and then they also find the lymph nodes that are in the closest associated. region. Yeah. And before surgery, they inject radioactive mm. fluid into that area where they, they found the cancer and then the lymph nodes will light up mm. whatever's in that line and so i have an incision in my upper thigh mm-hmm. where they took four lymph nodes mm. and the first node the first lymph node that lights up is called the sentinel node okay so that's what they take first but they take all four of them that light up and they biopsy those and um, so that it didn't spread. It did not spread. Luckily, it did not spread. So I think if I had waited, then right, you right. know, it could have been. How often do you get? Ch- I mean, obviously, every cancer is different. So mm-hmm. you know, just skin cancer, I guess, for you. How often do you get checked now? Just yearly to make sure everything's now good? it's annual. After five years, they put me back to annually. But, but before um, it was like before several times it's a year. four times a year, wow. then three times a year, yeah. then twice a year, and then I went to annually. So and as long can. as they didn't find other, they sure. they found other ones that could turn into it or possible precancer, and they would biopsy and stuff like that. Yeah. And I got several of those in the in those four five years. Yeah. But since I've gone to once a year. You've been you know, good. I've been Well, congratulations. Been I don't you. know. Do you say congratulations Absolutely. when someone is like... Absolutely. I don't even know like what you Absolutely. say. Right? I mean, it's one of those things that I talk about it, number one, because like I think my scar is really cool. One yeah. scar is cool. More than one is not. Mm. You know, more than one than, than, than so I haven't. A, I, for me, I issue. haven't been proactive right. in my health enough right. or whatever. Right. But um, if it motivates other people or inspires other people to be more right. proactive with their health and whether it's get checked or, you know, whatever, change things. Yeah. I and mean, this is my whole why. This is why yeah. I am healthy. This is why yeah. I want others to be healthy that if you can prevent it, then, sure. you know, then sure. it, then you have, so besides, you have full control. Besides yeah. sunscreen. And I would imagine, you know, when you have that type of, diagnosis a and then you go through what you went through like skin cancer is not only the only cancer you think of certainly not sure right especially as a female um yeah yeah so how do you stay mentally strong having gone through something like that and again not comparing traumas like it's not comparing traumas but it's not a double mastectomy where you literally lose both of your breasts but the emotional scar yeah of having a cancer of, of hearing that word Yep. has to be just exhausting, yeah. daunting, terrifying, all the things, especially as a single woman, mm-hmm. right? 
So how do you stay mentally tough, A, for yourself, B, for these families that you serve? Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, what do you do physically to stay healthy? Mm-hmm. So the first question, yeah, cancer invokes a lot of different yeah. emotions. And you and I talked about this, and I'll just touch on this very briefly and then move on. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was diagnosed, it was March in 2010, and I was my family and I were going through, my stepdad going through terminal lung cancer. And it was a month after I had had a cancer that I might have cervical cancer. And luckily that was all clear. And and then I, you know, and then I thought that was all clear. You know, so A, it's stress. You know, it's just a lot of stress. And B, it definitely invokes fear. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, as after you've gone through it, then it's you're hyper aware for others when right. you hear if they tell you that they've gone through it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so when I tell families this and the kids initially, especially when they saw my scar, because it's a pretty decent yeah. scar and it comes out more if I'm tan or something. Right. Then they say, what's that? And I yeah. got the nickname shark bite after a while. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like this funny, yeah. cute thing because yeah. you don't want to scare children. Right. right. Um, well, even if it's a shark bite, because, right. you know, I joked, you know, it's a joke, right? Yeah. But, um, but I, I went to a more extreme side of health and stopped using the crap sunscreen, stopped mm. using the spray on shellac stuff that right. you can't ever get off right. after you right. use it right. and went to the more natural stuff and sun is good for you. And, right. you know, I've talked to my dermatologist about this. I've talked to doctors and my healthcare professionals and sun is good for you. You know, unless you're like, I have a friend actually who's allergic to the sun. Oh, wow. And so she has to be really careful. But that 20 minutes without sunscreen is actually really yeah. important because yeah. you're blocking Pure other vitamin D yeah, and, yeah, other minerals from being mm-hmm. absorbed into your body. And so I, I try to get that stuff without having sunscreen. And then if I'm at camp and I'm or at the beach and going to be right. prolonged exposure, then I put their real natural stuff on my body yeah. because if I'm putting crap on my body and in my body, right. then what am I giving right. myself? So I just try to be really careful okay. on what's going to be absorbed into my skin as well. Yeah. And and when I tell this story at camp or when I talk about it, that no, I haven't served in the military and no, I haven't lost a battle buddy that has died next to me sure. in combat and I haven't dealt with post-traumatic stress or all the things that a lot of veterans yeah. that we work with at Camp Twin Lakes deal with are multiple deployments or, you know, just a lot of detachment with families and mm-hmm. trying to work and be together and, and function and, you know, reconnect. But everybody's trauma mm-hmm. tells that they have been through something totally. hard, yeah. something challenging, something that has really tested their ability to keep going and keep working towards something and uh, with others. And so, so that scar, so to speak on each of us, whether it's visible or not Mm -hmm. is kind of like a battle wound in a, in a achievement way. Like we got through something and I'm on the other side of it. And because of that, XYZ. So it's, it's really talking about that. And this past weekend we had a family weekend. It was mother's day weekend. And so we honor all our moms, both female veterans and military spouses that are at camp. And so we had the day on Saturday to give them like yoga and 
um, and meditation and journaling and nature walks where they could kind of step aside from their family and just, you know, be them, be them, be mm-hmm. safe, even with COVID and, you know, all that. And we had a, another organization run that program. And then at the end of it, they wrapped up and they talked. And one of the things that one of the women, their journaling instructor said was yeah. that, um, <laughs> that's yeah this is the joy it's okay this living in living on russell road living yeah. in a in the condo city. Yeah. city. <laughs> <laughs> um but but she the the journaling instructor who's a civilian yeah. had talked about her trauma and talked about losing her husband and you know going through different things in her right, life right and then she wrapped it up by saying I could never go through what you all have been through you all are so strong and mm. resilient and resilience is a big term yeah, in the military by the way but you know, and then the women just listened to her, but I kind of saw a couple of them like, you know, because when you say things like, I could have never gone through right. that, which of course I've said, and I probably still will say without even realizing right. it, but when you say things like that, yeah. then it kind of takes you away from being empathetic, mm-hmm. you know, or, or being able to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. And what I think what people don't realize, and then sometimes I just realize things as I'm saying or other right. people are saying it, but when she said that, and then they kind of went around the circle and one woman talked about how she recently lost her mother and she had to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And she's a service member and she's been through domestic abuse and she's, right. you know, has a child with special needs and she's, you know, the list can go on yeah. for each person. And, and they went around and they, you know, said, some said a lot, some said a little, yeah. it didn't really matter, whatever they wanted to share. And, and at the end we kind of wrapped it up and I just said, you know, who, around here doesn't think that they could have gone through what somebody else mm. went through and Everybody. of course right they right. raise their hand but you only know your 100 struggle you only know your journey yeah but if i had told you now yeah that when you were 16 you know yeah that i would say if say it was reverse say it was my story you know say when i was 16 i contemplated suicide and I was very close and I was extremely depressed and then whatever and I went to LA and da, da, da. and you would have looked at me and yeah. like wow I couldn't have I couldn't have done that yeah. but you don't have a choice a hundred percent right don't I don't know. I don't like you know you don't pick it like a yeah. card game pick a right. card yeah like right. this is my right I'm gonna go with that <laughs> you know like, like the Oregon trail exactly like you, pick your, you, you pick your journey you know you do yeah. to a certain extent well you, yeah. you pick your journey after you've received right, right. you know your marching yeah. orders kind of yeah but. I guess I've never thought of it that way because <clears> when you said that I started to like feel really bad for you and I'm like <clears> wait <throat> she's talking about me <laughs> 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 but right yeah but that in turn helps yeah. us be more empathetic right also right you know well i think and that's a thing like i look at you know i have a, a cousin who's literally watched his father have a heart attack and die in front of his eyes and it's like you want to say that but you don't want to say that too because you, we say that as like a compliment. Like I can't imagine going through what you went through, meaning like you're strong as fuck, but somebody hearing that on the other side, like that doesn't make them feel better. It doesn't make the situation better. What makes, what makes others feel better is talking about their stuff too. So when everyone kind of shares what you're talking about, everyone kind of shares, it's like, Oh, you went through that. And maybe like, I would never choose that. Who would choose that? Right. No one would. Right. But it allows us to connect in a very human way with this, like going back to how we started this podcast, 
with the same types of emotions that are brought up brought about by different experiences and I say this all the time like and this is why I think it's so important to teach our next generation how to deal with pain and grief and suffering because if we try to simply protect them they never have to practice and just like a sport just like going to school like practicing flash whatever you want to talk about life this is life you have to practice your emotions yeah because they it's have no skills. Worse. Well, and they have no skills otherwise. Right. There are no skills. The, the, the reason, you know, I didn't break a bone until I, I played all these sports right. when I was a kid and I didn't break a bone until six years ago. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh my God, my, you know, now what? And, and then I got, yeah. you know, injured a couple of years later with a couple of different injuries, but it really made me look at my identity and how I look at myself. Sure. And, but I had, had to look at myself. We have to look at ourselves yeah. when we get these different encounters when we get these different I'm looking for the word and I can't uh, just uh, adversities adversities and, yeah, you know especially yeah. when we're in these adverse situations some of us look for them being in the military is going to be challenging mm-hmm. it's going to really push people to their limits past what they think yeah they could do or, or where they could go and how they can succeed right. and Right. And that kind of stuff. And that's why we see a lot of people coming out of the military in triathlons. Right. Because that is a really it physically. Be extremely rewarding. Yes, extremely rewarding. Or become, you know, um, higher level employees right. in different corporations or running nonprofits, CEOs, starting, you know, CEOs, or, yeah. et cetera, you yeah. know, working, you know, yeah. being advocates and all that kind of stuff. So maybe because, looking for the opportunity. Exactly. Because if we don't let these like you and I probably grew up very similarly mm-hmm. that my mom was more the tough love than my dad mm-hmm. was, that was opposite um, for me. Yeah. but yeah. my dad also wasn't very babying but yeah. and I was the baby so um so I was of course crying a lot right. in the beginning right. and wanting attention but but you know it's like dust it off let's go right you know is it bleeding right. now nah, you're fine you know yeah. like let's keep it moving yeah um it to the teenage years to sure. so-and-so hurt my feelings to whatever. Sure. And it's not to overlook the mental health side because that is a whole different story. But when you're being challenged with things, right. it's time, okay, how can, you know, and it certainly doesn't hurt as a parent to say, let's talk through this. Yeah. How can we work through this? Right. How do you think you can do this? You know, right. but, right. but if you're not given the opportunity to be pushed down and be challenged and get back up on your own. Right. You know, with support, absolutely. Sure. You know, and how are you going to do college yeah. or yeah. or the workforce or, you or know. anything. Or anything. <laughs> really yeah. anything. Yeah. Anything. I think that the biggest lessons that we learn, we always are learning and growing, and the yeah. biggest lessons that we learn are through the most challenging times. 100%. 100%. So obviously you have a gift to serve. That's apparent. You... I, 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 you love helping other people. That's apparent. But what are some things that help keep you healthy? I kind of want to wrap it up and bring it back to you because without you being healthy, you can't help all these other families, right? That's so true. So I'd love to just kind of hear what's your, just a, a couple things or routines or mantras in your life, things that really help Kate. Yeah. Um, 
it's a, a, it's a constant journey. Yeah. Like, you know, very well, it's evolving constantly. And I went through yoga training Mm -hmm. the 200 hour in 2012 and then finished the, finished the um, 500 hour in 2014 and, and found an amazing community. And so finding something at some point that's challenging, whether it's, you know, that challenges me more emotionally now than physically. Um, but doing things like that, that challenge me emotionally. So camp definitely challenges me emotionally. So I can continue to stay and be more empathetic, hear other people's stories and understand how I can best serve other people in that way. You know, just like, you know, we talked about briefly earlier on the phone is that, you know, when people are going through stuff, how do you empathize? Because if you haven't gone through that experience, Mm -hmm. then just saying, I'm I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say anything else. Mm -hmm. You don't have to try to relate. You can just say, you know, I'm so sorry. Yeah, can just, I can I bring you something? Can we go for a walk? Make me a like, few suggestions. Yeah, like suggest but, to yeah, me. But, yeah, but but other like you know, I'm here for you. Yeah, but, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm thinking or just about be like, that you. That fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Saying that yeah. is definitely appropriate. Yeah. And so when people say that to me, then I can I also so feel that I can let go. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So emotionally, that yeah. support for me, I can let go. When you stay physically ha- yeah. active. And so and... what what does my body need today? Right. You know, um, so even though I'm a personal trainer, this was going through injury. I really had yeah. to really look at myself to say, do I have to push so hard every single time or push through something right. every single time and listening to your body. I meditate twice a day and that has really, really helped. Wow. I've gone through courses and so that's helped. And yeah. I, I know a lot of people who do guided meditations or, you know, the walks are extremely yeah. meditative. Yeah. Um, so meditating twice a day, um, and doing, I love weight training, yeah. but listening to my body when to right. stop weight training. Right, right, right. Um, and trying to get back into run training. Okay. I love, you know, spin bike stuff. I have a Peloton. Yeah. And as soon as my schedule opens up a little more, <laughs> I will be back at your class. Um, but I'm just kind of reintroducing yeah. that. I had some hip stuff. Hips, yeah. Yeah. Um, and just constantly stretching my body, you know, constantly, yeah. you know, stretching it, breathing, you know, moving it, but knowing that. You have to be in tune and you have to listen to it. Um, sleep is always a struggle and I'm always fighting trying to get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've gotten much better with that. But that is, you know, because when you want to give to others right. or when you feel obligated because yeah. you're an independent contractor yeah. and you work solely, you know, for mm-hmm. yourself, then, you know, it's like you miss a client, you lose money. Right. You know, so. Right. But trying to say, it's okay, another one will come along, but it, I really need to sure. let myself sure. rest. Um, so there's that balance between moving and resting. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just love being outside. So yeah. any chance I can get to hike and kayak in the summer and get back on my bike and dog. cycle and, oh, my dog. Le- is it Layla? Lila. 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 Lila is Hebrew for night. Okay. And she's black. Yeah. So we named her Lila. Is she a rescue? She is kind of like what we call a pre-rescue. Mm. So she was on Craigslist because the family oh. had to rehome her, but they didn't want to put her in a shelter. Okay. Okay. So they wanted to find a good family for Got her. It. And luckily, Aren't they the best? she was the, oh, the best. I the mean, and my previous one was a true rescue at ASPCA, yeah. and I turned him in. I trained him to be a therapy dog, and she's oh. a therapy dog. So they both, she comes with me to all the camps. That's so cool. And these people just love her, and that people just open up. They I, just, I she sits down. I kind of want to do that with Nola because every, especially kids, she has this thing about kids. Yes, like, kids love her, and she loves kids. This, this, yes, I'm gonna Lila too. I'm gonna yeah. bring you back to talk about dogs and therapy. I would love I think it. That would actually be a cool. 
I would have to do a little more research. But yeah. That'd be a cool um, episode. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. But literally, like, without her, I, I would be completely lost. So. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's and that's, so glad it's a pandemic. Think, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And the kids, like, they really like her when you bring her to camp. Oh, my everything. God. Everybody loves Everybody. her. Oh, Everybody loves her. So she sweet. will pick people. And she will sit next to them, and then they will start petting her. And that's going to make me cry. And they start talking. about dogs. They I'm start talking. Like, and that's so she cool. has been the gateway to break down walls yeah. for people to talk to me. Aww. Yeah. I mean, it's in Charlie Brown, my last one was yeah. the same way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so And she sweet. loves kids. So kids, she's got to have like 10 pairs of hands on her, and she's on her back <laughs> just loving and eating it up. Yeah. Well, I am so – I feel like we could talk forever. I Ever. Just, I want to wrap it up, but I, I want to say like, honestly, I have known you, but I didn't know much yeah. about your story. Thank and you. I'm yeah. extremely intrigued and – um it gives me like your head swimming. I can tell there's yeah, like that hamster like, wheel is working overtime. I'm trying to like figure out how to say it because I try to get to know people as well as I can, but it's hard when you're like coming and going. And oh yeah, you see each other. We were always passing and like quick class and yeah. Even today, I, I had to go from thing to thing to thing, and I'm yeah. like on to my next thing in the next Same. half an hour. Yeah. But it's nice to be able to sit down and hear about somebody and and not like seeing you for more than what you are because I know that like I know but hearing it and uh, like just being grateful that there's humans in the world like you that give so much to other people that I don't have the capacity to give or so-and-so doesn't have but knowing that there are people out there in the world that are trying to make other people's lives better in this you know, huge city we call Atlanta that doesn't seem so big sometimes is extremely rewarding. So I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your day. And I know that we're both busy human beings, but um, it's incredible that that this camp exists. And I want you to tell us your web, the website for the camp. Where can we find it's www www.camptwinlakes.org. Okay. Um, they're on Facebook and they're on Instagram a lot. They're great. Just at Camp Twin Lakes okay. on both. And um, certainly donations yeah. are always welcome. Always. We always need volunteers, okay. um, especially we have some big fundraisers throughout yeah. the year. There's Spin for Kids yes. in the fall. It's this big bike ride. And so if you Very have cool. a bike, you can come out. If you just want to volunteer, you can come out. Um, and just, you know, it's just one of the best. And I have a friend that works and uh, that owns a couple of bike shops around Atlanta and yeah. he's a huge supporter of it. And he says every single time he's like, this is the best Aww. ride of the year. They have, first of all, they have wonderful rest stops where local <laughs> bakeries from right? Madison come out and like the, the bacon wrap dates and they're the brownies and they're like all the fun things that you can yeah. eat when you're yeah. riding a bunch yeah. of miles. Um, and for parents, they can drop their kids off at right. camp and go for the bike ride. Right. Yeah. yeah, but that's we always Very need volunteers cool. for that. We always need volunteers for camp. So if people can take a day, we do yeah. day at camp that we need volunteers. A lot of times it's a project where it's you know building right. something or cleaning something or whatever. We have weekend programs, so we always need volunteers for those weekend programs. It's all on our website. And then certainly the week-long camps, we definitely need counselors for the kids at camp and you will be trained. You don't have to know anything going into it as long as you just open-minded yeah. and your heart's in it. Um, and we certainly 
need male volunteers, especially. I, I mean, you know, yeah. you got you got you you had a great conversation with Philip Blow, yes. and I've now been in touch with yeah. him. And Heath he's Ward he's would incredible. Be a good one too, if you listen to Heath, yeah, story. I did listen to Heath. He was he great. great. Um, even like Sheldon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just knowing yeah. knowing these, these great people in the community that talk about this right. example to set, you know, we want to model for our younger action. people yeah. and camp serves a lot of minority populations and, you know, kids with sickle cell, kids with different mm. um, diseases that affect a lot of times more African-American yeah. families than Caucasian. You know, it's always super um, important to have that model to have right. another African-American counselor or staff member at camp to so that they're oh, they look like me. Yeah. Okay. I can do this exactly. or I can, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that positive role model model is extremely important yeah. to have at camp. So oh, I love that. yeah. And so, everybody can, they can certainly um, reach out to me. My email is Kate at okay. camp twin lakes.org with any questions. Perfect. Um, and you'll, you can tag me. You can, I, I keep my, I have to keep my Instagram private because our policy at camp sure. for families to not sure. follow. It's of my dog anyways. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, even though it's all wellness well, stuff, it's of my dog let's anyways. Let's be real. The best bet. Yeah. So email Kate yeah. and, um, you know, yeah. check out camptwinlakes.org. And there's a plethora of resources for military families, yeah. um, out there. And I, would love to get people connected with those because I know everybody knows a veteran. And yeah, I'll, I'll put them on the description. Perfect. For the, yeah, the yeah. And... Everybody knows somebody who knows a veteran, 100%. and I hear yeah. I can't even tell you how many times a month, a week that yeah. you know my neighbor is right. You know, trying to find something right. for their brother or you so know their sister or their here. yeah. Well, I yeah. will put them on the description and make sure that any questions go your yeah. way and just thank you for sharing thank you your story and um you know kind of bringing the atlanta community to the forefront with what camp twin lakes does thank so you thank you megan You're oh welcome. this is awesome thank you thank you for listening to this episode of the six feet above podcast i'm your host megan armstrong Subscribe so you never miss another episode as a new episode is released every Tuesday. And if you're enjoying the series, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at Six Feet Above Podcast to keep the conversation going and feel free to reach out to me directly at Megstagram11. This episode is a product of Audiographies, produced by Megan Armstrong and Denor Sepolia, edited by Jacob Smolian, and the music is by Keenan Willis, funded by yours truly. I'll see you next time.